Welcome to Talk the Dog, the show where we find a bone to pick and a take to give. These are not hot takes. These is dog takes. Can I talk that dog? Shut up and grab some tape. Too late now. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back in for our local hour. It's Talk That Dog, where we find these topics about these Georgia Bulldogs, and we talk them to you here on the Film Guy Network. If you just joined us, if you haven't subscribed already, please feel free to do so. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, make sure you're hanging out with us every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday live from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock here on the channel. Also, make sure you're hitting that thumbs up button, going ahead and resetting our, what we call, call to action here in the industry. So make sure you're showing us our support, however, wherever you can. If you missed any portion of tonight's broadcast, we are and readily available for you guys over on any and wherever podcast. However, wherever you get your podcast, we will be made available for you guys over there. Make sure you're subscribing and leaving us a review over there. Just do all of the support stuff that you can possibly do for us. We would greatly, greatly appreciate you guys for that hey every rocky needs an apollo creed and i was thinking about this today and not just because um our guy carl weathers uh suddenly passed away r.i.p carl weathers first of all i will remember carl weathers as chubbs from billy madison great movie all in the just hits, tap baby. it in just tap it in send that we'll ball be home. all over that some bitch got me but i took his eye i love he's poking the thing with his wood hand that shit's awesome he's like I've got this sucker's eye. Um, it's, just, oh, it's just a great role. Uh, it's RIP, but nonetheless, it had me thinking, man. Like every, like I said, every Rocky needs an Apollo Creed. And here's what I mean by this. I think Apollo Creed and and the Rocky versus Apollo Rocky was the greatest one. And he was the most formidable opponent because he was both formidable and likable. I think that was the one... Uh, you know, kind of Rocky movie where you're, you're you're almost kind of rooting for both guys to win. Like, I don't think there was any harbored hatred from the viewer's standpoint for Apollo Creed, unless, you know, you got something else going on. Um, I don't think there was <laughs> any reasons to dislike Apollo. I think they made Apollo extremely, extremely likable, so much so that he kind of becomes a confidant and a friend later on in the Rocky franchise because the fans liked him that much. So, when talking about these two guys, right, and this dichotomy of a relationship where not only is the opponent very formidable and a very uh, worthy opponent, but that opponent is also likable by the fan base or by the audience base. Um, so obviously making Kirby Smart Rocky in this kind of, you know, metaphor, if you will, who would be his Apollo Creed? Like if, if, if Kirby Smart is indeed like we believe him to be on top of college football now with the retirement of Nick Saban and the subsequent dispar- uh, departure to the NFL from Jim Harbaugh, if there really is no second, like who is Kirby Smart's, uh, you know, Apollo Creed to his Rocky? Um, so I'll open it to you guys. I got a bunch of different, you know, theories and thought processes. I said Billy Madison. I'm an idiot. It's happy to get more obvious. Um, but anyways, who would you nominate for this both likable and formidable opponent for Kirby Smart's Rocky Balboa? All right. So this is where my take about FSU comes in. I think mm. that it would have been Kirby Smart and Mike Norvell oh. if Florida State fans knew how to shut their mouths and be quiet and just kind of sit in the moment for a little bit. Because I feel like 
for a while last season, people were kind of rooting for FSU, like, oh, a, a new blue – like a face that yeah. we, was in college ball for a long time, kind of went down into the gutter for a little bit. And, but now it's coming back up. Mark Norvell, super likable guy. But now, ever since I got cut out of the playoffs – They've just ran their mouths of anybody or any anyone that wanted to come and walk on their territory. They wanted to just kill them or whoever. It just owned them. And I think that their fan base and just kind of how everything has gone over the past couple months, they've kind of tainted themselves a Tommy little bit. Tommy Fury. Yeah. yeah. People, they've kind of tainted themselves of becoming this very likable, very gravitational football program that people could kind of root for, even if they were outside of their own fan base. So instead. Mike Norvell is Street Fight Tommy. My grandfather would be so proud right now. Why? This segment. Oh, my God. He's Tommy a big Fury? Italian stallion guy. Oh, no. He loves Rocky, dude. He just, oh, man. Who's Rocky the, and Top Gun. My mm, grandfather. Really yeah, Tommy, easy to like. Oh, Tommy, Tommy Fury. Was in, yeah, Tommy was in Rocky. They fought in the street that one time. Oh, uh, you're talking about Tommy Gunn. Yeah. In Rocky Five. Yeah. Okay. Street Fight Tommy. That's what I'm talking gotcha. about. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I was. You said Tommy Fury. I was like, who's oh. that? That's who ended up. That's being isn't that Tyson Fury's yeah, younger his brother? It's a real life version. Yeah, I was like, wait. Um, but anyways, so anyways, the conclusion and the answer that I came to, and I can't say that I necessarily love this answer, but it was really the only one that I could come to in good faith and bring it to the table. Kirby Smart and Lane Kiffin, I feel like, kind of is this relationship where no matter how annoying Lane Kiffin is on Twitter, no matter how stupid his tweets are or how outrageous his his, um, his comments are about anything. People are going to root for the guy. Like, if Kirby, I feel like, and now, especially that there's no divisions, I feel like we're going to get to see this matchup a whole lot more. I think Kirby Smart and Lane Kiffin is just a good matchup that everybody wants to see. So, what you just described is what Marion Campbell's talking about in the chat right now. Lane Kiffin is uh, Snidely Whiplash from Dudley Do Right. Like, he is the, <laughs> he is the, he is the ornery, you know, kind of lighthearted. Uh, bad guy, villain. That is Snidely Whiplash. Mm -hmm. Like, in fact, I want the audience to Photoshop me a, a, a photo of Lane Kiffin in the Snidely Whiplash uniform because, <laughs> yeah, that is it right there. So that I think that's kind of what you – and I went there. It's like Lane Kiffin, but Lane Kiffin not very likable, is he? It, 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 kind of the bag's up and down on him. You either love it is, him. Yeah. Like you, you're like hot the, or cold You on. like the steez or you're like, screw Lane Kiffin. I hate that guy. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I was like, I'm not, I don't want to say I love the answer, but I still it was enough to where I felt comfortable bringing it up, and I feel like it's a pretty solid answer. I like it. But I also like Marion Campbell comparing that to Snidely Whiplash. Because, yeah. by the way, Dudley do write a great movie with Brandon Frazier back in the day. Yeah. If you haven't watched it, you should. Handsome Brandon Frazier. Yeah, handsome Brandon Frazier. <laughs> All right. The answer is Nick Saban. Well, it was, and that's gone. It's, it's Nick Saban. It still is? It's How still is Nick Saban. We are at, if if Nick Saban is the Apollo Creed, we are halfway through Rocky Four now. Okay. Where he's coming back. He was the mentor. Nick Saban was Kirby Smart's mentor for so long. <laughs> he was the unstoppable guy. He was the, the undisputed champion. And now we are at a spot where Kirby Smart has kind of taken the reins, and he is now in the champion. Line. Think about it, too. He mentored. Kirby Smart, they grew up. To, they didn't grow up together, but Kirby Smart's coaching career grew up under this. You're now at a spot where Nick Saban has, quote unquote, been defeated, slain, died, and Kirby Smart has to avenge that loss. The only problem is the guy that beat him ran away to the NFL. Oh. And think about it more. Also, like as much as everyone wants to hate Nick Saban, as much as you dislike Nick Saban, as much as you prayed on his downfall, he was always respectable. He was yeah. always in, at some point kind of likable. You didn't like him, 
but you understood why he, who he was, and you respected that. So I think Nick Saban is the Apollo Creed to Rocky Balboa. It definitely was. And if we're going to assume that he's gone and he's no longer an option, I, li- I like the reasoning as to why he's still there, right? Uh, very Rocky Fourish, as you mm-hmm. said. I, I, I like that metaphor. Um, I think the obvious answer, it's not Ryan Day. Ryan Day's a formidable opponent. Ryan Day is not likable at all. Nobody wants Ryan Day winning. You know what I mean? I think we threw out any opportunity for likable with a uh, tough team. With the moment that happened, everybody was out on the Ryan die. All right, just everybody was like, nah, we can't be doing it. Um, so Ryan Day got marked off the list. Now, here is the answer. Here is the real Apollo Creed answer. It's Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning is both a formidable opponent now with what he's built in Oregon, and he's very likable as an opponent. I think people uh, aren't necessarily going to be out here you know, rooting against Dan Lanning in any type of situation. The only problem I have with having Dan Lanning, yes, he is, he is the most likable he is of the Kirby Smart coaching tree. Apollo Creed was the mentor figure to Rocky in that yeah. Nick Saban was that. And Apollo beat Rocky more than he did without any loss to him. Yeah. He went two and one because you know he won the the secret third fight. Did he? Yeah, I thought that was like Rocky lore. I don't think they ever told the answer. No, if you watch the first episode of Creed, he tells Adonis that I'm a I'm I whooped that ass. I'm deep into Rocky. Oh okay. Yeah, so like no, it checks well, out. I love it, dude. But no, I, I my problem with having Dan Lanning as the Apollo Creed is that it it puts Dan Lanning as kind of like the mentor father figure almost. So I feel like that's why I think it's Nick Saban because Nick Saban is a true mentor to Kirby Smart. Eli Drinkowitz on his way, right? <laughs> he could be. Uh, y'all doing this. That man just got $62 million. And I don't know if you noticed um, the schedule. The schedule this year, not terrible. They open with Murray State, Buffalo, Boston College, Vandy. Uh, so that's what, 5-0, 4-0 right there off rip. Uh, Texas A&M at home. Then they go to UMass for some strange reason. Auburn what? at Bama, Oklahoma at South Carolina, at Mississippi State, at Arkansas. I got an edit as an eight-win floor. Or, excuse me, Arkansas. So, I give them these wins right here, just looking at the schedule. They're going to beat Murray State. They're going to mm-hmm. beat Buffalo. Yep. They're going to beat Boston College. They're going to beat Vandy. They're going to beat UMass. They're going to beat Auburn. Um, actually, I left Auburn as an iffy. They're going to beat South Carolina. They're going to beat Mississippi State. They're going to beat Arkansas. Those are eight wins off rip. <laughs> I give them, like, just looking at the schedule right now, an eight-win floor with these four games having not been decided on their schedule. Texas A&M, Auburn, which I think they can go 2-0 and there, Bama and Oklahoma. Like, yeah. looking at the schedule, why isn't Missouri 10-2 and this year? Yeah, I was just about to say, like, it feels more so like a guarantee that you win two, 10 games this year. It's a very promising schedule. I'm pumping the brakes on the Eli Drinkwood's hype train until you can show the success two years in a row. So you got a two-year rule. So you gotta, I, it's got to happen within three years, and you've got to do it twice for us to believe in you. For me to, for me to go like, yeah, this he's legitimately the guy. The right. I don't answer. hate this because I was thinking about this myself. Like we talked about it in the in the national hour, sixty two million dollars. All it took was five and seven, six and seven, six and seven, one eleven and two seasons. Yeah, sixty two million. What? I mean, let let's. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, Gary Pinkle won the damn division one time at Missouri, didn't he? Yeah. It's like, are we? I'm with you. I I, I like Drake, but are we 100 percent positive? I mean, then they won it twice, didn't they? No. No, the one year with uh, Gilbert as the quarterback. I couldn't remember. 
I mean, hell, Sonny Dykes went to the national championship yeah. two years ago. Like, there's there's Do so many there's so many examples of like guys it. that had really really good years got labeled as like, hey, they're a top five coach in college football right now, and then they had come back to earth moment. Like Josh Heupel was one. If you'd watched that 2022 season, you would have thought Tennessee was a playoff team in 2023. We all know they were far from that. So I think you have to do it. I don't even know if it's do it twice. Do it two years in a row. I'm off of it just because um, I don't know. I think I like Drinkowitz, but I'm also he's also flirting with the line a little bit. Of He's getting to the point where I think less people are going to start liking him. Cause, and I, I'm starting to put him in. stood on business thing. Yeah, that yeah. and like. I'm starting to put him in the same boat as Shane Beamer, where, like, Shane Beamer first few years, like, yeah, give me all of Shane Beamer. I'm loving what I'm seeing from South Carolina and what he's building over there. And then this last year, that's all it took for everybody to be like, screw that guy. I'm not a huge fan of Shane Beamer anymore. Eli Drinkwitz very quickly could fall off of this cliff and join Shane Beamer in the boat down at the bottom. I think once you kind of step out of that, hey, this guy's new and fresh, and he's kind of the underdog store to then you're, like, a here-to-stay figure – People immediately start to dislike it. And then you're, the personality traits that people might not like as much come out. It's why everyone hates Patrick Mahomes right now. Like 29. Everybody hates Pat? People are, people are praying on that man's downfall. For real. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Like 2019, Patrick Mahomes was like, he's, net, he's got an ex. He's up and coming. He's the new star. And now that he's become the star, he's no longer the fun underdog story. Everyone hates him. So, I mean, that's going to happen with Drinkwitch. If come he on, can, guys. <laughs> yeah. It's too, not, not high enough. I told Trav. Nah, well, <laughs> you got you got more more Kermit. I gotta find yeah. out. I gotta a find Kermit. A try to do a with, Kermit. Kermit the Frog. Kermit. We'll, we'll work on it off screen. Wait, you don't like know who? I don't he know is? the voice. If you told oh. me to try to mimic a Kermit okay. voice right now, I could not. Kermit the Frog here. That's okay. that's more Patrick so Mahomes. More so like your flu know. voice with yeah. Kermit. That's what uh, you need. Okay, I'll work on it off camera. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, not not great impersonation there. But I can't believe that. That's wild to me. Yeah, I get not liking the wife. I, well, I think like, that's I, there's a lot that plays brother. into it. There's I a lot of factors that, to it. I get all of that, um, but not I think like it's also the what he did with the Josh Allen after they played in the regular season. Oh, the bitching in the complaint. yeah, like worst yeah. call yeah. I've ever seen in my life. Like people hate yeah. that. Yeah, that's yeah, what they yeah. started. Yeah. You're right. That makes sense. So I get it. Um, should we go to the combine? I, I would love. I think to. it'd be pretty fun. I think it'd be fun. By the way, you aren't the only person that texts me the combine. Which one? Um, I was texting a scouting friend, and I said, should I go to the combine? And the first response I got was like, what combine are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, there's there's hundreds of combines. No, there is not. There's the, the combine, combine, though. Yeah, the which is combine? how I phrased all of it. Do you want to go to the combine? What combine? What are you talking about? I thought that was wild today. Um, two people, not just I didn't people. say what combine. I said NFL combine, clarify. <laughs> NFL combine, a question mark. <laughs> I guess. The fucking the, the horse combine. I don't know. Yeah, the combine. The they one have, in they Indianapolis. Have Nike combines like all the time in the offseason. No. And to be fair, they're also you're also going to the Under Armour All American Not yeah. a combine. It's well, not a combine, but it's a showcase. When, okay. You could label it as a combine. All right. I'm Anyways, in though. So I think I should we should go. We should I would try. love to go. We have applied for credentials. Um I, I think what, what I want to do this season and from this moment forward, I think we need to make a drastic effort on improving our roadshows. I think we have a state-of-the-art studio. I think we have a professional-looking broadcast. I think we could use some lower templates in terms of talking about what we're talking about and showing the, the audience that's not listening to us what we're talking about, all that good stuff. There is definitely room for improvements on the product itself, but the next thing for us is, 
is to make sure I'm not just one guy with a tripod and one camera and a switcher when we go on on visits or when we go places. I want to turn this thing into a uh, a road show, like a, road, a real show. road show, but that's expensive. So that's yeah. the next kind of invest Brooks's life savings on the product. Buy a vlog, huh? You can do vlogs. No, but I, I do, I do want, I honestly, I think that that type type of content, that style of content does well on YouTube for every other content creator. I, I we've done the day in the life stuff. I enjoy doing the mic'd up on Friday nights. I enjoy doing all this. I think it's some of our better content, but it's not, it's not fully encapsulating enough as some of these other events will be. Like if we brought a crew to the senior bowl, I think that would be different next year, right? If we took one with us uh, to the elite 11. Okay. And we actually got to do these types of things because we have these relationships where, yeah, we can, we can bring players over there and sit down with you. Um, that kind of stuff, stuff that other, you know, shows get to do because they have big companies behind mm -hmm. them. Well, we are the company. So let's, we're, we're, we're going to invest. I'm going to try to do something along those lines in terms of enhancing our roadshow products. Hmm, I like it. All right. So that's the next goal for us. Um, welcome into the local hour. We got a loaded one for you. The 2025 quarterback picture getting relatively clear for the University of Georgia. We're going to talk about that. James Cook had a cockamamie theory that we're going to talk about. Lad McConkey really finna do it. Lad McConkey really finna do something I never thought was going to be done um, by that young man. We're going to give you the latest from the mock draft conversation. And a former Georgia quarterback has a new offensive coordinator or will have a new offensive coordinator. And it might be a familiar face. And we thought it was necessary to talk about it tonight. Make sure you're going ahead and supporting our, excuse me, supporting those who support us. Run over to prizepicks.com. Use promo code Brooks today. You get a 100% deposit match. You know what that means. Put up to $100. You get $100 matched instantly. Let's talk about this 2025 quarterback picture right now. So, <clears throat> obviously, Georgia recruits every single class independently, right? We're trying to get the best players in each individual class. Doesn't matter what the room looks like. However, the quarterback room thinner than probably ever before. Okay, maybe dating back to like that year where it was just Jake Fromm and walk on Stetson Bennett. Yeah. It's about it. Okay, hey, look, we got this freshman, Dwan Mathis, too. We'll see. Yeah. Okay, that kind of deal. Um, oh, and here comes JT Daniels and Jamie Newman and the kid from Nevada. Nonetheless, whole bunch of things going on. This is probably the lightest it's been and the thinnest that it's been um, with a very, very good 2025 recruiting class out there. I got three names for you guys tonight, okay? And at this point, and it, we're, we're, we're kind of just starting the 2025 cycle publicly, but the, the groundwork has been laid well before this, okay? And the board is very, very clear even at this point in the cycle. Sometimes in the cycle at this time, there's like 12 names that they're going to dwindle down to two, and then they're going to hope to land one of those two. Well, at this point in the cycle now, they already have three names. They know the three names. There's a potential fourth. We're not going to relay for you guys tonight. We'll give it to patreon.com forward slash Brooks Austin. The fourth name, complete, complete insurance policy. The first three names, priorities. Okay, now how they rank and how the board looks at them and how the board sees them, that's a discussion for Mike Bobo. That's a discussion for Kirby Smart. That's a discussion for Gummy Van Gorder. That's a discussion for the decision makers. All right, what we can do, though, is bring you the three names, look at them on the screen, tell you what we believe them to be and how we would go about ranking them and then recruiting them, and maybe, maybe we are in line or in lockstep with how your favorite football team evaluates these three football players. So, 
These three football players, what are their names? One, Ryan Montgomery. Two, Matt Zollers. Three, of course, the new 2025 reclass, Julian Lewis. Those are the three names. Those are the ones that you're focused on. Those are the ones that you have kind of pin circled, okay? Circled with pin in terms of who you want and who you're going to recruit. I think it's important that we go through each of these individuals one at a time because that's what they are. Um, they're being lumped into one recruiting board, but they are three very, very different football players, and I think you'll notice that by the tape. We're going to watch Ryan Montgomery first, the kid out of Ohio. He is six foot four, two 210-ish pounds. Um, you're going to notice off this tape – Everything is out of empty. His football team transitioned into a new offense this last offseason, and they threw it probably 50 times a game, and they threw it all 50 times out of empty. Okay, So he's back there just deciphering a full-on air raid, um, and he's a big ripper. All right, this tonight is big fundamental. Okay, this is going to be our comparison for Ryan Montgomery. You're going to see this is Tim Duncan. Okay, nothing he does is super flashy. Nothing he does is wow. There's not a lot of wow to this. Man, it's just big fundamental. He's a big physical kid. Um, and because of the way the system looks, I actually had to go outside of the huddle to make my full evaluation of this individual because you're going to see there's a lot of running the grass in this you know five-wide system that he's running. Um, and there's not a lot of like, hey, is this applicable? Is he going to do this to the next level? What was was the uh, Under Armour 50 under 50, um, you know, seven on seven film that I found where you actually see, okay, this guy is a very clean decision maker. This guy's very, very, um, vanilla is the wrong term, but I know what I'm going to get if I sign Ryan Montgomery. If I sign Ryan Montgomery, I am getting a six foot four, 210 pound decision maker who is very accurate with the football. Maybe doesn't have the biggest arm in the world, but gets the job done. You know who I have if I have Ryan Montgomery? I have about 90 to 95% of Carson Beck. That's what I think. Um, so let's go watch the tape. We got him up first. Uh, yes, we do. All right. So here's what you're going to see. Um, big fundamental. All right. Big, big kid. Um, very, I wouldn't say physical in nature, but just has the frame and is very, very clean cut and dry. All right. Um, very professional in his approach to you talk to him. He sounds like a, a 20, 25 year old, uh, excuse me, a 24, 25 year old. Okay. Here you see, again, I don't know how applicable this is. I, I know teams do this. I think they got a switch uh, wheel with a post right here. Yep, they got a wheel right here from two with a post right here from number one. Uh, and he, he throws it right on the face of that kid. You're going to see intermediate throws 20 to 30 yards downfield on almost every single one of these clips like this right here. Great touch on the ball. Mm -hmm. Great identification. Hey, we got the winner in the one-on-one -on -one right here. Safety rotating over to the right. But this is what these empty systems do. I mean, look, we got guys running to grass everywhere. We got some grass throw here, some grass throw here. We got the dig on the backside and a go ball here. There's a lot of options for us, and he rips that out route right there on the bottom of your screen. Everything, and I mean everything, out of the empty right here. That's a big boy throw from the right hash over to the left on a speed out. Okay, but you see the frame, you see, hey, hey, not a lot of flash or pizzazz. We watch a lot of kids, hey, we're going to watch two of them coming up that do a whole lot of fun stuff, okay? Do a lot of stuff with their lower half. They do a lot of stuff with their arm angles. They do a lot of stuff with their feet, okay? Ryan Montgomery is chicken and rice. That is what we got going on. We got chicken and rice right here, the preferred diet of our boy Christian Kirby. Amen.
Yo, white rice or brown rice, got curb? Uh, white rice. It's yeah, we don't, we don't do none of that rich shit. We don't do none of that. I don't, we don't, do none I don't of that have a preference. It just tastes better to me. Bang. Yes. All right, so there we go. We got Ryan Montgomery right here. Um, I think a very, very, very solid. All right, if you're looking in, into, um, hey, I know what I'm going to get. I'm going to get a serviceable starter, maybe a two-year starter, three-year starter. This is Carson Beck. This is Kyle Trask. Ooh, All right, you hear me? Good. Watch Kyle Trask, throw. another good little comp right here for me. You like this play? Rolling to the left, throws a Dover. <clears throat> oh, yeah. We're going we're gonna to see some stuff here in a second. We're going to see some stuff here in a second. What an interesting logo. <laughs> Checking out logos. Just, just fat F. Hey, throws a lot of touch, too. A lot yeah. of touch, anticipation, layers, layers well. the football really, really well. Okay. A um, little bit of recruiting intel here for you guys. Mm. This one, it sounds, it sounds to me, guys, that this is going to be our first one off the board. With these three names, it sounds like Ryan is the one closest and most ready to make a decision. Okay, um, it sounds to me like the decision is going to be between Georgia, South Carolina, and Florida. Now, here here becomes the question. Okay, if this is going to be the first name to pop, all right, where on that kind of list would he ultimately rank? And and your question, and the reason for asking that question is this right here, right? Are we going to take the commitment from Ryan Montgomery and potentially risk the idea that we might be able to sign another one of these quarterbacks that we're going to look at, right? Does taking the commitment from this kid early deter the other ones? Uh, because I do believe if, if everything happened in a vacuum, if Ryan Montgomery were the only quarterback available in 2025, he'd end up at Georgia. I think that would be the case over South Carolina and over Florida. I don't know if he's going to be greenlit in the middle of where are we at? February, okay, of this class of the, of, and of this cycle. If he wants to be a Georgia commit or if Georgia and him are going to be paired together, I think it's going to have to be more of a, in a competitive time window where the rest of these guys might be coming down the pike as well. I think it's kind of a similar conversation that you could have had early on when Ryan Pugliese committed to Georgia of – Obviously, you would like to have it. Pugliese's talented, and he's a guy that you would obviously want in your quarterback room, but there's some other names in this class remaining that maybe – and it didn't end up hindering you, or at least it didn't until the very end. Here's where I will push back on this. If Georgia thinks you're good enough, it doesn't matter. Yeah. They took the Pugliese commitment knowing, I don't care. If this pushes somebody else out or if this makes us less attractive, we don't care because we're taking that kid anyways. We think that kid is one of those ones, right? Um, which is why they took the commitment from Puglisi as early as they did in the cycle. Because it wasn't about, if it does deter someone else, good. Like, that's the way they thought about that. I don't know if they feel that way about this one. You know what I mean? Which mm -hmm. means he's probably not one or two on this board. Yeah. In fact, I have him three. Mm -hmm. Okay? Of the guys we're going to look at tonight, that's as bad as it gets. And by the way, I just told you, that's two-year at least serviceable starter in this conference. That kid will play in this conference. He's going to play really well in this conference. All right, let's talk about the other two. I want to watch this Zoller's tape first. Um, and guys, this Matt Zoller's kid from Philly, um, violent. Violent, violent, violent. That's the only word that I could come up with every time I watch them do something. I'm like, God dang, bro, you are trying to kill people. You are trying to take people's soul out here playing the game of football. He has some absolute violence to his game. So, showed a 60-yard chooch on the run that we're going to watch. All right, it's a howitzer on this kid as well. Um, the deep ball has a ton of touch. I think it's important to, uh, to, to note these things. When we watch deep balls on this network, we want the nose down. What do I mean by that? 
All right, we want that sucker coming downhill. We want the arc to go up steep. We want it to come down steep. And we want it to travel a goddamn three-quarters of a football field. All right, with the nose down. I don't care how far you can throw it on a line. I care how far we can throw it with touch and getting that nose to come back down. Violet, violet, violet. Let's watch this Zoller's tape. All right, this kid's a baller. I, I, not that the last kid wasn't. Um, I'm going to go ahead. I show, whew, 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 whew. I like me some Matt Zoller's tape. Uh, we just going to let it run, and I'm going to let y'all holler at this one. Uh, yeah. He got some juice about him, too. Yeah. He got some juice about him How now. tall is he? Uh, six, three and a half. Six, three and a half, about 205 on this guy. I love this one. Look at him rolling right, taking a shot. Ooh. This is a jump throw, dude. This is an absolute jump throw. All right, he is rolling to his right. He has pressure in his face, okay? That edge defender is hitting him right now. He jumps in the air and gets lit up off the hip and throws a perfect runner. All right, same thing here. Rolling in up into wow. the pocket, stepping through the smoke on the run, 50-yard bomb, nose down. This ball is violent. This is what I'm talking about. God dang, he looked like he was trying to throw 150 mile an hour right there. It looks like an outfielder trying to throw someone out at home. You god dang right, and I love it. I, I love seeing a dude be this violent. Look at that ball. That ball traveled about 50 air yards. The one previous before that was about 62. Okay, there from Zollers. All right, this is and this is that nose down I'm talking about. Watch that ball come. Pew. All right, when we when we see wide receivers doing this one, that's what we want. We want that nose down. Oop, make a little play. I love that we get a little combination of an athlete with a ripper. Right, that's what we're getting right now, and we need that in the modern game of college football. I don't need you to be a, a, a I don't need you to be Lamar Jackson, but I can't have you be uh, Peyton Manning in the mid two thousands. I can't have you standing there. What is this one right here? Forty yeah. times. Yeah, this one. What? What is three's forty times? Oh, th three's a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Three, three is definitely a guy, but I, I think we both love this right here. People at the feet. Oh no, that's the next one. Yeah. People at the feet of his, uh, you know, platform on the next one, and he finds a way to get his feet back out of the ground and get that ball back up. Mm -hmm. That right there. I, mean, I don't know what is cover nuts. two safety's doing there, but yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of split safety looks here for these guys. They've got to kind of this ball should be picked off in college. Didn't necessarily love that one, uh, but this ball right here, dude. dude we I see all these like, hey, look at him, look at him throwing some touch. And then we see this speed out right here. Look at this ball. This ball's pissed on, son. Two. All right, three's a guy. Hey, I was going to say, I'm equally as impressed Hey, with how about this one? Rolling back right. Rolling to our right, flicking it across our chest to the left on this next clip. Check this out in the goal line situation. Watch this. Rolling right, catching number one, going back the other way, throwing across his body. Okay, we don't like to do that on the next level. That ball is pissed on. Wow. My God, he threw that so hard. His whole body into this, man. Rolling back left. Look at him. He's going to pedal backwards, and then he just going, ugh, violent. Absolute violence in his game. Now, the next guy that we're going to watch, complete opposite. Okay, the next guy is all, oh, do smooth operator. You know what I mean? Next, next guy just looks like he walks to a different, you know, on beat to everything. Just got great, great steez about him. That's a dot. Yeah, I like the Zoller's kid a lot, dude. Mm -hmm. Does he throw over the middle a lot, any? In this? Uh, we'll have to see. I mean, I mean, when you're that accurate, and yeah. you have a guy who can run that fast. You don't really need to, but that ball's down the middle of the field. But I mean, he's throwing it 40 yards on the run. Yeah, <laughs> and getting the legs in the, involved here. Oh, I think the legs are serviceable. I, I wouldn't be out here. I wouldn't be out here designing a whole offense. Off Stetson Bennett, yeah. Huh? Stetson Bennett? Yeah. I mean, but at six three and a half. 
You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's, that's a different breed. That's a, that's a different sized human. Um, I'm just doing the comp of like, yeah, athleticism. You can just, get away from a just, sack. Yeah. You might not want to let him run it 12 times a game. Yeah. Um, me like he. Yeah. Me like he. Very nice. I like that too. Violent. Um, I, I will always favor the kid that I know that can do more because it's just, it's just more to work with, right? Um, and I think that, that discussion right there between Montgomery and Zollers is, is very obvious. One does a little bit more. Plus, it's I mean, you can just kind of feel it on tape that when he goes out on the football field, like he's looking to kill folks. Like he's yeah. out there to take care of his business and do it in a very violent manner. And that's yeah. fun to watch. I mean, it's, it's enjoyable. It's entertaining. All right, this next guy. Um, this next guy would be quarterback one on the board. Um, I think him and Zollers are, are pretty, I'm not going to say evenly talented. I think they're both a take at the University of Georgia. I would take both of them. But you recruit the hell out of Julian Lewis because of who he is, where he is, and what he's been. Um, Julian Lewis has been a name and a name to have and a name to need for five years now, it seems like, three years now since I've been doing this, basically. Everybody's Okay, the state of Georgia has the next one that everybody's going to be after. And guess what? He lived up to be it. Very rarely. I've talked about this the last time I spoke about Julian. Very rarely do we have something build to be this. And he, by God, he winds up being that and more. All right? And it's a testament to everything he does from a working standpoint. It's a testament to who he is from a, a, a personal standpoint and all that good stuff. Because when you're told the world is yours at 13, to actually be there to capitalize on the opportunities when you're 17 is nothing short of a miracle. Okay? It's nothing short of a miracle, especially, especially the way this guy has developed. Um, he plays with an extreme amount of feel, okay, and skill. I said both of those Skeel. wrong. Feel and skill. I said feel and skill. Feel and skill. You forgot to mute your lab mic. That's fine. Um, he's got a tremendous amount of feel, 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 okay, at the quarterback position. And despite the fact that this kid is younger than the rest, all right, and he is reclassed, he has played and talked and seen more high-level football than the other two. I wouldn't say combined, but definitely more than the other two. Okay, he is the most polished and uh, most ready of all the three that we're going to watch tonight, and he would be my number one quarterback on the board because of all of the things that we just talked about and the fact that he's deadly accurate. He makes great decisions, and he's deadly accurate, and he has Julian Lewis. I wonder what happens. I don't know. Because I've done entire shows with both of them turned on, and nothing ever happens. The um, hamster stops that's running. That's the Zoller's tape, right? Yes. This is the sophomore tape. Yes. All right. So here's the thing about Julian. Everything that Julian does is exactly how he's coached to do it. You tell this kid to do something, you coach him up to do it, he's going to do it. That right there, pretty invaluable skill set, in my opinion. All right, and what you're going to see is as you watch him, as he goes through these plays, hey, it's like, ooh, we're going we're gonna to avoid the conflict. We're going to get our feet back in the ground. We're going to rip the ball, two hands on the ball. All right, we're going to roll right. We're going to make sure our, our, our fundamentals are perfect as we do so. Everything this kid does is technically, fundamentally, mentally sound. Everything that he does. Oh, and by the way, place for a guy by the name of Joey King who's out here running. I don't even know what you would call this concept, but basically what he gets right here is, uh, what do they fake, a speed out? Oh, no, no. They fake a hitch right here, and then they roll him on wait, a wait, wheel. Wait, 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 run that back? It's number two running a, a hitch, 
and then he turns and spins out yeah, on a wheel. Yeah, but where's it's number predetermined. Where's number th okay, I'm tripping. Okay, so this guy, that's Caleb Odom. He runs the back line dig, which mm -hmm. is a pretty common red zone concept. And then this guy runs a little five-yard hitch and then spins out, and he's basically running now a wheel yeah. to the pylon. I saw, this I saw two shadow and thought they were in trips for him. I was like, what the hell? <clears throat> Base, I mean, it kind of been a bunch. It looked like one. Yeah. All right, here Camera we go. Angles. All right, now we're going to rip one. That's from the 40 to the 5. So that's a 55-yard throw. Okay. Look at the pocket movement. Mm. Hey, the ball's great, Curb. But how about knowing? Yeah, knowing where your yeah, pocket is. How about knowing that our left tackle is getting spun like a top? Look at that. Okay, and then we're going to climb, 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 and we're hitting this right back over here. That's that's pretty good stuff right there. And having the wherewithal to not give up on the play and tuck and run him. Correct. Know? I mean, he had grass, but. Same thing here, climbing through the pocket and then flicking back to his left. Now, this is a what's up? This is a bad comp because I feel like it means unathleticism, but it looks like Tom Brady. The way Tom Brady could navigate a pocket. I'm I'm a I'm a Joe Burrow comp here. Okay. And it's the only kid I've ever given it to because Burrow's Burrow's comps a whole lot about intangible stuff. Mm -hmm. It's a whole lot about stuff. Oh, he just plays the quarterback position the right way. Um, he's got this level of coolness about him. I watched uh Julian in against Westlake for the region, right? They're backed up inside their own five. Okay, so they're hard counting, trying to get people to jump off sides. And Westlake's just talking all kind of shit, yeah. all kind of shit. And we got it on our on the microphones where Julian's like looking. He does the hard count. He's looking to the sideline, getting a new play, and they're chirping him. And all he says was, "Yeah, y'all did good, but watch this." And then he gets back on the line, caught, flips the run. Okay, calls the run to the right side where they got the hats counted, all right, and they, they get out of their own end. And what I thought of was the Cam Newton clip uh -huh. where the been watching film, huh? Watch this. Yeah. Like, just the like, – just cool, man. Just everything he does is very, the very cool. The funniest thing – irrelevant, but the funniest thing about that Cam Newton clip is the wheel route was still open. Yeah, yeah. Like – Just even the footwork right here. Look at him click through his reads. Watch how his feet are mm -hmm. tied to his eyes on this on this play action fake. Look at that. Into the back, flips his feet right back around. Okay, gets him back into the ground solidly, and then rips that football. He just caught that snap one-handed, by the way. Okay. He what? Watch him. Zoom in on him. Okay, on this next snap. You don't have to zoom in, actually. You got it close enough right here. He caught that ball. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. On the snap. Okay, just nice and smooth, and then throws a dart, okay, out there on the edge. A tremendous processor. Like, how important is that? I mean, ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh. Yeah, buddy. That is avoiding pressure to our face. That is instead of, you know, continuing to run past the point right there, getting back up inside, and then still throwing the corner route on time. That's nuts. That's what I mean. Oh, that's a quick flick. Ball. Oh, I love the ball placement there. Threw it up, mm -hmm. right, where my tight end can go get it. Okay, we're on the sideline here. That's reminiscent of uh, – That's our boy JC right there. That looks a lot like that George Pickens touchdown in the Peach Bowl. That's a rip. Uh, always on time. Mm -hmm. Always on time. Never never playing outside. Never playing outside the system. Never has to. Uh. Yeah. Deadly accurate. I think I don't know how I don't know what his completion rate is here. There you see the athleticism. That's against Langston Hughes. There's a bunch of dudes on that field right there. Um, the the accuracy. This is what I love about Julian. This is why I would invest everything I could into him. 
Um, everything about his game is a product of his work. Everything. All the decision-making processes are there because, well, he studies a shitload of football. He's deadly accurate, well, because he throws a ton of footballs, okay? He always has. That ball's thrown before the kid gets even out of the break, okay? I'm going to try to pause this when he lets this ball go, and you'll see just how far ahead of it he threw. Caught it one-handed again, by the way. All right, we're breaking our hands right now, okay? This corner route is, what, four yards from the 40, I think is when he breaks this out out here at the tight end position. Yep, look at that. Ball's way out. It's been out. It's been out of his hands for a half a second, two seconds at this point. Boom. All right. Those are those are things that we can't teach kids to do. I can sit here. I can I can evaluate height, weight, speed. Uh, uh, you know the the ability to throw the football. All right. But what I can't evaluate every single time, unless I know for a fact, is the kid's processing ability. And that kid is processing football at like a, I say like year three in college level right now um, because they care about it. They care about it, they care about it, they care about it. Now, Derek Dodd in the chat asked a relatively reasonable question. Has he grown at all? How big is he going to get, right? I think that's the only question about Julian, and I don't think it's necessarily a, a reasonable question because at this point in, in the game of football, like we just – I'm not saying he's this because he, I think he's he's obviously bigger than this, but – we just watched Bryce Young be the first overall draft pick in the mm -hmm. NFL draft. Like, I think we're past the days of, oh, is he big enough? No, is he good enough? And the answer is yes, he's yeah. damn sure good enough. I mean, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Bryce Young, yeah. Baker Mayfield. Like, there's there's been a litany to me, of to guys. To me, the threshold, I, I would get nervous under six foot, under 185 pounds. Mm -hmm. If we're under those two things, which Bryce Young is, I, I'm on the record. I had concerns about Bryce. I thought it was hilarious that everybody's like, ah, this guy doesn't get hit. Bitch, what game you been watching? Bryce Young gets lit up, okay? Um, didn't see that one. Didn't understand it. Knew he was going to look very, very, very small. He's not this. No. Julian's six foot and a half. All right, he's 195 pounds already, um, and he's big enough. So, yeah. I'm good there. He's not mm -hmm. physically imposing, but he doesn't need to be. Exactly. You don't That's need to be physically to imposing anymore no, you at don't. quarterback position. Nope. And, I mean, if you make all the right decisions and you make all the throws. There's your physical imposition. There yeah. you go. Yeah. yeah. Right? Um, so, we're good there. Oh, and by the way, and not that you have to do this, but it's, it's I mean, they, they make the money doing it. Not the guy on YouTube. Um, every great quarterback evaluator ever in the game of football right now wants this kid. I mean, all of them, from Kirby to Lincoln. All the great football minds right now are heavily, heavily invested in landing Julian Lewis. So there's that. And by the way, I think Georgia's got a really, really good chance of flipping him. So just putting that out there. Uh, but I would rank them and I would recruit them. Julian Lewis won. Let's go after him. Let's make sure we try to do everything we can to sign him or flip him. Then, hey, let's make sure we keep Matt Zollers in our, in our sights. Let's make sure we got some good, good, uh, you know, relationships built up there. And then, hey, Ryan, come December, if we strike out, we love you too, baby. Ain't nothing wrong with third. Ain't nothing wrong with bronze. You know what I mean? Ain't nothing wrong with silver. Ain't nothing wrong with silver. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, dude, this James Cook theory. Yeah. This this read to me like a guy who had no idea the landscape of college football this year. And I think that was part of the problem with how this got transcribed. And, you know, I was guilty of it because I was one who wrote an article about it. But if you watch the video, you can kind of get a feel of, 
I mean, it's it's one of those situations where I, the question. What's he supposed to say? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the question is not included in the video, so I don't know exactly what the question was. But in a situation like that, assuming that the question is like, do you think Georgia got robbed of a national title this year? James Cook is not going to sit there and be like, oh no, nah, man, they should have they should have been in the playoff. Yeah, like they yeah. suck this year. They shouldn't. They, they should have been nowhere near the playoff. The committee got it right. He's going to go in there and defend his program. But the part that got everybody was him saying. Oh, well, they knew Nick Saban was retiring. Yeah, so that's quote, why. I feel like they knew Nick Saban was retiring and tried to sneak him in one. <laughs> yeah, that's the part that got everybody of like, okay, tinfoil hat too much. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to like. First of all, Ricky from Swanee definitely believes it's true. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, Johnny, Johnny from South Georgia is like, damn, if Nick Saban hadn't been retired, oh, oh, we'd yeah. want us another natty. There was um, there was people on Twitter saying, I was saying this back in January. Yeah. And we, they knew he was retiring. They knew it. Yeah, every, everyone knew. Was just, I, I, the fix was in, John. Yeah. As much as I love to, like, ponder on college football conspiracies, I don't think this one has any basis yeah. to it. Because, I mean, Not look, a lot of weight here. as much as, look, Alabama won the SEC championship. They were a one-loss conference champion. Had Alabama gotten in, you could have that after Georgia. If Georgia won and Alabama got in, absolutely have that argument. But the fact is that Alabama did everything that they needed to to be in the playoff, and mm. they deserved it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we can Fun off-season content, though. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff from James. Good little attempt there. Um, I can't believe this, but there are – I shouldn't say I can't believe it because he, he played well for three years in the SEC. And he started over a lot of really uber-talented kids. And he did so at the Z position, despite the fact that he, he's as big as he is, or rather lack of small as he is, I should say. Um, but Lad McConkey's like receiving legitimate first-round hype right now. Mm -hmm. um, Wait till which, the combine happens. Yeah, I know, which is crazy because, I mean, people are going to lose their mind when this guy runs sub 4-4. They're going to be like, what? Fast and white then, people exist. And then goes to the vertical. What? Smashes yeah, it. over 40 inches. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, by the way, my 5'10'5 was the fastest here at the Combine as well. So <laughs> he is going to absolutely blow people out of the water at the NFL Combine. And he's already impressed at the Senior Bowl. And he's already, you know, kind of mocked as a, a mid-second-round draft pick prior to the Senior Bowl. And now there are people talking about him potentially being a first-round draft pick. And I just think this needs to be talked about from a how is this happening standpoint because it's not it's not normal okay it's not normal at all so how is lad mcconkey going about defying these things and how does the next lad mcconkey happen or or will we see another one because guys he, he is he is being listed in a group and, and a discussion at the wide receiver position that quite frankly i'm not gonna say he doesn't belong in but he doesn't belong in he doesn't look anything height weight like the rest of them mm -mm. okay he is currently ranked eighth on the on the top uh wide receivers list consensus that i could find everything i went through like four or five of them today and kind of averaged them together he's seventh or eighth and all six or seven names in front of him go in some sort of order as this right here marvin harrison jr malik neighbors roma dunze keon coleman troy franklin brian thomas ad mitchell okay all of those names are consistently ahead of him. Where Ladd kind of falls in this discussion is Xavier Leggett, Xavier Worthy, Tez Walker, that kind of discussion. Like, hey, wide receiver seven, wide receiver eight. All of these wide receivers that are ahead of him, except for Malik Neighbors, do you know what they all have in common? Taller. They're all huge as shit. Every single one of them. 
Marvin Harrison, 6'3". Malik Neighbors, 6'0". The only one that doesn't really fit this build. Roman Dunze, 6'3". Keon Coleman, 6'4". Troy Flanker, 6'5". Brian Thomas, 6'4". A.D. Mitchell, 6'4". None of these dudes look like the 5'11", 185-pound lad McConkie. Yet, he is listed among these guys in this order. I don't know how this happens other than the fact that Ladd just must be the best route runner available in this class, which that alone blows my mind as someone who covered this kid because he was a senior in high school and didn't know how to run routes because how could he? He was playing quarterback. He was playing running back. He was playing wide receiver. He was playing safety. He's playing punt return. He's playing kickoff. Like, he didn't specialize in anything until he got to college, and now dude's going to be up in the discussions for first round. That's wild to me. I, yeah, do you want to go ahead? And, no, you got it. It's I I can kind of put a finger on how it happened, and it's it's the age of social media where, I mean, we all saw him going viral for what he did in the, in the senior bowl. We and if you're a Georgia fan, you watched Georgia football, you knew he was capable of that. But if you didn't pay attention, you just thought it was oh, you know, just some just some white receiver. Then you go and you watch his highlight tapes on YouTube. It's like, oh my god, this guy's crazy. People are starting to do that now. And then when the combine comes around, he runs a sub 4-4. People are like, oh, my God, this guy's a first-round pick. So, I mean, he's greatly benefiting from the fact that you have social medias and you have a bunch of people who have access to watch your highlights and tapes that you might not have before. Because before, and I don't understand why this happens, where you do this in college and it's, oh, yeah, he's got all these good players around him. He's going up against scrubs. But as soon as you do in the senior bowl, wait a minute, oh, he's an actual legit NFL talent. I love that. And this is a complete sidebar. I love this comment. Came to the show late at the beginning. Brooks meet riding the NCAA like they paying his rent. We've come to the point now where if you don't come out here and say that the NCAA is just a bunch of blabbering fucking idiots and they don't know anything that they're talking about and they're the reason that college football is ruined, then you're meat riding the NCAA. When in reality, if you would open up your Twitter machine instead of just retweeting the guy who calls the NCAA an idiot, if you'd read the actual announcements, if you would read the actual statements, I don't have to meet ride the NCAA. The Big Ten and the SEC in their joint statement said that they are both drastically and heavily invested in the success of the NCAA. The two are supposed to coincide. But yeah, meat rider, this guy. Um, Put that on a shirt. Two percent oh, meat right. I'm, good. I'm <laughs> no. good on all that. Um, um, anyways, can, back to this discussion. Well, well, go ahead. I I can tell you how it happens of how he's going to end. If he does end up being a first round pick, it's going to happen this way. It's the fact that Marvin Harrison is getting projected into a top three draft pick, and we've seen what happens when one wide receiver goes like when the Falcons took Drake London in the top ten. Hmm. Four wide receivers immediately went off the board right after him. Yeah. So if you're starting at maybe the number two overall pick, Marvin Harrison comes off the board. Well, immediately that's going to start a chain of events of anybody that is in the market for a wide receiver. You're going to start going down the list. So then when it gets to pick number thirty second, and they want to get and they're thinking about getting a wide receiver. Well, it very well could be Lad McConkie sitting at the top of the list. So I went down the the history of the draft as of recently. There was four first round wide receivers in 23, six in 2022, five in 2021. The the determining factor is the run, like you're talking about. If you look at the last couple of years, it's it's not just been oh a wide receiver at nine, a wide receiver at 12, a wide receiver at 17. It's not that. It's Three wide receivers in a row. Yep. Because teams start trading up. They start getting nervous. Oh, shit, my guy's about to go. Oh, there went my guy. I better not lose two. Yep. And then they all start pushing up because of this run on wide receivers. So, whether or not Lad's a first-round draft pick, to me, kind of boils down to two discussions. A, where do you rank him 
in this, and I would put him, I would say you are okay to draft Ladd McConkey over anybody but these four names. Marvin Harrison Jr., Roma Dunze, Malik Neighbors, Keon Coleman. If you draft Ladd over those four names, I think you are putting yourself at risk for one of those dudes becoming an all-pro and Ladd just being good and then that, that that's, those, those, are, those are misses we get fired over, right? Yeah. If we draft Keon Coleman and he sucks, we'll draft another one. If we draft Ladd McConkey over Keon Coleman and Keon Coleman becomes a pro bowler, we're fired. And that's how this contract works. That's how this business works. So I would be afraid of drafting Ladd over any of those high ceiling guys. However, Ladd versus Troy Franklin, okay. Yeah. Come on, Ladd, Ladd versus Brian Thomas, okay. Like, Brian Thomas had a great year at LSU. He is physically impressive, but it's just the one year. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can do this over and over again with all these guys except for that top four. Yeah, I think the other thing that's going to probably eventually hurt Ladd's draft stock is injury, injury history. Yeah. I mean, I feel like for the last two seasons, it was either, hey, Ladd can't go today. He's got this injury. He's got this nagging injury, or he's going to he's gonna battle through. I mean, you saw in the Peach Bowl, he wasn't 100%. You saw in last year's SEC Championship, he was battling through injuries. I think that's going to scare a lot of teams because the NFL is a more physical league, and you you play 17 games without playoffs. So I think that might end up being why he is in a first-round pick. So I saw this chart on Twitter. It's like one of those four-quadrant charts where you get everybody's names. If you're in the top right, then you're of the elite elite. If you're in the bottom left, then you're not doing too hot. And it was like of the last 10 years, every single wide receiver taken in the first three rounds. And it was the bottom row was yards per catch, and then the left side was first downs responsible for per catch. Lad McConkie was on the same plane as Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. And he was the farthest right name in this year's draft class. That's insane. I mean, I'm I'm not saying his skill set isn't there. Yeah. At all. Like he's fully capable of being an NFL receiver. But I think teams are gonna look at him and go, Yeah, size scares me. And then oh, he hasn't played a full season in his college career. Dude, right? it's a height weight speed league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we've seen that year over year over year over year. It's a height weight speed league, and he will knock off every speed requirement that there is, but he will still be five foot eleven. 187 pounds when he goes to the NFL combine and that will knock him. Um, But it doesn't mean he's not one of the best five receivers in this conference or in this league um, or in this draft. And that definitely leaves it available for him to be a first round draft pick. And that to me is nuts. It is. Who would have thought that? No, not me. Never, never once in my life. I saw, I, I, I I question whether or not he should have been going to Georgia. Not even the not when even not even the fact that Lad McConkey would be a first round pick. Lad McConkey would be the first Georgia wide receiver to go in the first round since AJ Green. That's nuts. When you've had George Pickens, you've had other really really talented receivers yeah. play on that team. That's insane to me. Hell yeah! The fact that Lad McConkey breaks that streak. Shouts out if he does. Um, yeah, again, still got the video. Still can't believe that that's that's who yeah. dude, dude, dude turned into the best route runner. <laughs> what that guy? Um, it's just a, a testament to how a wrong I can be, but b how sometimes it is just about uh, all you need is a like he is one percent gifted in the speed and, and acceleration department, and then he's also one percent gifted obviously in the workout department. Like yeah. he wants to work, he clearly earned his way into these discussions, and that that is to be. Uh, a little hat tip. Also, hat tip. Based off the mock drafts that I've been seeing lately, Javon Bullard basically football played his way into a top sixty-four eval. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's nuts. That because again, height, weight, speed, and league. 
Mm-hmm. Like we are, we are just recently removed from Kyle Hamilton being labeled the best new freshman or you know rookie safety that there is in the league. Right, last mm-hmm. two years, that son of a bitch is six four. All right, he was a top ten pick because he's six four and he did all of those things. But the fact that a five foot ten and three quarters, I think, is what Javon measured in. in the, at yeah, the Senior Bowl. that sounds right. Five ten and three quarters, one hundred and eighty six pounds. That kid's a top sixty four eval. Dude, that is that is football players, and I'm talking about football players, not guys who play football. I'm talking about dudes who eat, sleep, and breathe and die this shit. That is hope for all of you men out there right there that this kid can just football play his way into a top 64 eval. Good on you, Javon Bullard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any other thoughts on the uh, recent mock drafts that have come out lately? Brock Bowers is slipping off. That's kind of surprising. Man. And, and it's weird – but it's also like eh. I think it's a little recency bias a little bit. I think we need to prepare our audience for him not being a top twelve, top fifteen pick. Probably. Which is fine. I mean, God forbid. <laughs> you get drafted twentieth overall. You know, God forbid he go to a team that's actually succeeding yeah, and he does real. well and wins football games. Yeah, that would be nuts. Um once you giggling about that. Yeah. The idea, oh man, it sucks being drafted by good football teams. Um, Goes to a team with a quarterback. That yeah. that'd suck. That would that would be less than ideal. <laughs> you know? um, hey, we had a great show tonight. We climbed and climbed and climbed. We only got up, got up to about 260 people. But hey, make sure you hit that thumbs up button. I want to see at least 260 likes on this video uh, as it ends. I appreciate you. I love you, and I'll see you tomorrow for our last show of the week. Oh, that's right. I'm going on vacation. What? Is it vacation time, dude? Fucking meat rider.